You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can find all of our shows at Facebook on our page. And anytime you want to hit up the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that at 920-341-3775. A little bit different form on our Friday show out at a normal time and part of that is because I felt like we hadn't spent enough time on the Patriots and part of the reason is the Patriots are ever-changing they constantly evolve and grow each week and they're going to attack the Packers differently than they attacked the Bills differently than they attacked every other team to this point in the season and you also can't trust anything on their injury reports So Don Banks, my former colleague at Sports Illustrated, who now works for Patriots.com, you can find his work at The Athletic. He's going to be on the show today to talk about the Patriots, a little bit of big picture stuff, their future, just to provide a little bit more context about this game. But what we also learned yesterday was that Tremont Williams is officially going to be at least spearheading the replacement of HaHa Clinton Dix. And this is something that we discussed earlier in the week. It's it's frankly something that we've discussed a lot over the course of the season and and how this team could get better. A potential role for Tremont Williams as a safety and then you're moving Josh Jackson and Bashad Breeland potentially into more live game action at corner. And I made the case for Acme Packing Company. We talked about it with Mark Schofield that the, the Clinton-Dix trade, not only could it be addition by subtraction by putting Tremont Williams back there, because at the very least, he's going to know where to be and he's going to be there. And he's going to give effort and he's going to take better angles on ball carriers. And with the ball in the air, he's going to see it, react to it, and go attack it in the air. But that also frees up Josh Jackson and Bashad Breland to see time on the field. And I think at this point... Even with some of the growing pains from Josh Jackson, you you want him on the field. You want him getting these reps. And you want to use Breland because he's a quality corner. You like the work that you're getting from Kevin King. You love what you're seeing from Jair Alexander. And so what Tremont Williams moving to safety can do is it means now Jermaine Whitehead. So this game in particular, Jermaine Whitehead can play and, and cover Gronkowski or James White. You can use Josh Jackson as a corner. You can play some of these lighter personnel groupings that they want to play. But basically what you're doing is you're taking someone like Jackson or Breland, putting them on the field instead of HaHa Clinton Dix and forget about positions. From a personnel standpoint, that's the, the swap. Clinton Dix off, a cover person on. And now you're very versatile with how you can defend a team that is tight end centric and running back centric. James White leads this team in targets. He is their primary playmaker. 
So if Jair Alexander is going to cover Julian Edelman for much of the game, and, and Mike Patton said yesterday that he doesn't like t- to travel with guys. He just doesn't like it because it becomes too predictable. He would he would really rather just play sides. That's not always possible, especially with you know different athletic matchups. But this week, I think you're going to see a defense very much like what Green Bay did against Chicago. Treat Trey Burton as a receiver. Treat Tariq Cohen as a receiver. Okay, so how do they do that this week? Well, you're already bringing that extra corner on the field because your your free safety is now really just a corner. So now, even just out of base personnel, let's say they go two receivers, you can use a safety. You can use Tremont Williams, who is a corner by trade, to go cover James White. And you don't need the kind of ultra-athlete corner you may have needed in Rob Gronkowski's prime to cover him anymore. He's just not that player. And you heard Mark Schofield talk about it yesterday. This is is not a guy who is in his prime physically anymore. He's just not. He is is, not a shadow of his former self, but he is a fraction of what he used to be. He can still make plays. He showed that on Monday night when he made a juggling catch on the sidelines against E.J. Gaines, but E.J. Gaines is little. And Green Bay has big corners that they can throw at him. And they can use someone like Breland or Jackson and put him on Gronk in the way that they used to use Charles Woodson as their tight end stopper. You you remember uh, 2010, 2011, those years, Charles Woodson played all over the field, right? He didn't just play on the outside. The existence and the, and the thriving of Tremont Williams at the time and Sam Shields meant Woodson could just be put on whoever the biggest threat was, whoever the biggest X factor was. So when the Packers would play the Cowboys, Charles Woodson would cover Jason Witten because that was the biggest matchup flaw for the Packers. They didn't have a linebacker or a safety who could cover him, so you put Wood on him. I think they can use Josh Jackson in a similar way. I think there's going to be times when they can use Jair Alexander in a similar way. They become so much more flexible. And and the example that I've pointed to a couple times already is there have been, there were two touchdowns given up to Josh Reynolds on Sunday, and both of them were given up by safeties. The first was HaHa Clinton Dix, the second was Jermaine Whitehead. If that's Tremont Williams in coverage, Green Bay has a much better opportunity of defending those plays. And so just from a a pure coverability standpoint, if we assume Tremont Williams knows where to be and and he is one of the smartest defensive backs in the league, He, he knows offenses inside out, he knows this defense inside out, he studies his butt off, and he's gonna know the tendencies. He's gonna know the route concepts. He is gonna be able to pattern match from the back end, recognize okay, if the outside receiver is running that route, the inside receiver is running this one, and I'm going to have to be responsible for this. He understands and knows how to take care of those responsibilities. And even if he isn't an experienced free safety, and he's not four games really in his career, he's a smart enough player to know just intuitively know where the safety is supposed to be on a given play because he has to know that. On, on a lot of plays, he has to know where his safety help is. He has to know where his safety help isn't. He has to know. As a corner, there's this big misconception with a lot of positions, I think, that you only have to know your thing. As a corner, you need to know where you need to be, but you also need to know 
where the linebackers are, where they're taking their drops. You need to know where the slot corner is going to be. You need to know where the safeties are going to be. You need to know where everyone is going to be on any given play because you are going to react accordingly to those things. So Tremont Williams is going to know. It is going to be about viewing the game in a different way, seeing it through a different lens. He's going to be further back. He's used to playing off coverage. He's done that in the past. He's done that a little bit this season. He's not probably going to be in the box a ton, and that's okay because that's what Kentrell Bryce is for. That's what Josh Jones is for. I think we're going to see more opportunities from him, especially if Jermaine Whitehead's injury is going to be something that prohibits him from, at very least, playing heavy snaps on Sunday. So this this does change things in terms of where Tremont is playing and where some of these other guys are playing. But fundamentally, in terms of the people on the field, what it may actually be doing is putting the best cover players on the field all at once. You're taking a cover, I wouldn't say a liability, but someone who has certainly been a minus in the run game and someone who just has not been a down-to-down consistent player especially with the ball in the air, especially in pursuit, especially as a tackler. And if you can just get someone to come in and give you replacement level at that snap after snap, your defense could get better. All right, let's get to Don Banks. He is a contributor at Patriots.com. You can also find his work at The Athletic, at Bleacher Report. You can follow him on Twitter. It's really easy, at Don Banks. Don, thanks for joining Locked On Packers. Good to be with you, Pete. So I want to start with a piece that came out for ESPN earlier in the week um, about if Aaron Rodgers played on the Patriots. And Ian O'Connor has this great quote that I had heard from from people around the league for a long time and was not sure. I assumed it was apocryphal. This Aaron Rodgers would throw for 7,000 yards if he played in our offense. <laughs> was that something right. that, that, you had, had you, that you had heard as well? And, and what do you think about that idea? Uh, I mean, I I understand in theory um, the thought process behind it in that (laughs) um, if you could reverse universes uh, that uh, Rogers would have, you know, more free reign and be able to, uh, I guess, dominate uh, the New England offense under Belichick. I, I think it is apocryphal because I think it's one of those things um, that can't be proven or disproven. So we're, we're, we're projecting if the two paths were different. Um, I'm not, I'm not buying in completely that, um, Aaron Rodgers in a new England offense under Josh McDaniels would rewrite the record books in a way that he hasn't been able to theoretically in green Bay. Right. Um, but I, I understand the thinking that perhaps, the the ability to work just exclusively with one offensive coordinator like Josh McDaniels would be a, a complete um, boon to his career. Sure. Uh, one of the things that I think is implied in this criticism is is that of a, you know a critique of Mike McCarthy, um, right? And and what he is implicitly implicitly right. it's it's a critique that McCarthy has held him back. And so I guess on the flip side of that, there is an implication that Josh McDaniels and I think by (laughs) extension, Bill Belichick has helped 
you know, push New England forward. And anyone who has watched that team over the last, I mean, we're talking about two decades now, believes that Bill Belichick is is certainly one of the engines that makes that team go. What is it about him, do you think, that makes him so uniquely able to take whoever is on his team and maximize what they give? Yeah, I, I mean, adaptability is a big word that has a lot of different branches, but I think basically he's flexible enough and adaptable enough to take what he has. I mean, you you have seen him win in so many different ways. And early on, obviously, that was in the dynasty in the 01 through, say, 06 phase. It was based on their defense. Um, and it was based on a lot on their running game. Uh, Antoine Smith first and then Corey Dillon. And they really, you know, kind of went at it a, a totally different way. And then starting really when the Randy Moss era began in 07, um, it became more of a pass-oriented attack in New England. I think he's just proven over the years again and again that he can take what he has and uh, uh, adapt and, and be versatile enough to approach it to play to their strengths, the players' strengths. Um, and, and Brady's career is kind of divided a little bit into, you know, I don't want to use the game manager phase, but he certainly it wasn't, all placed on his shoulders starting in 2001. He grew into that, and as they trusted him more and as he gained more and more experience and knew more about how to recognize, identify, and attack a defense, I mean, they opened up. They opened it up, and, um, I mean, that's the phase that the, I guess the Packers look uh, – Aaron Rodgers fan looks at and wonders what that would have been like for number 12 to play in New England. Yeah. Uh, so when when the Josh Gordon trade happens a few weeks ago, I think there was some disagreement over was this, you know, sort of an, another inspired Patriots move turning someone else's trash into their treasure. Um and I then I think there was this other field of thought that felt like this was kind of a desperate move that the that the Patriots yeah. were not getting enough out of Rob Gronkowski and the rest of their receivers that they they felt they had to make a move like this. Where where do you land on it? I think it was actually closer to the desperation. Um, I mean, it, it, it certainly does have some precedent uh, in other a- acquisitions that they've made, a lot of which haven't worked out, uh, some of which have. But I think at that time, remember, you know, they, they're looking at a, an Edelman-less offense. Mm-hmm. They really didn't have any other reliable targets other than Gronk. And I think they, they trust their own system program judgment that if they were going to get in get Josh Gordon in there give him a look give him a chance and they were going to make a pretty quick decision I mean I really think they thought either we're going to we're going to know in a couple of three weeks whether he can help us or not whether he's going to buy in whether he's going to make the commitment um or you know we'll we'll move on and 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 try something else but they're they are never fearful of taking on the player uh who did not, you know, fit or did not make the commitment elsewhere and wore out their welcome. And I think, um, you know, they're still in that phase. He's, he's relatively new still in new England and he's starting to show up and Brady is starting to trust him, but let him have some of the issues that plagued him continually in Cleveland. I don't think he's on a long leash whatsoever. It's, it's, um, 
it was a move, I believe, born more out of desperation than anything else. What's really interesting about that move and, and sort of the totality of what we've seen in New England with, you know, we, we hear all the time that that players who play for Bill Belichick have to, they get prepped on and so have to know basically every angle and they have to have everything buttoned yep. up and they, and they have to, they have all these expectations. And yet the Patriots also take these kinds of risks with players who don't have a history of doing that. And they basically like, you're either going to do it the way we want or you're gone. And I just find that juxtaposition fascinating because they do get it to work with guys like Randy Moss. I mean, that's the famous example, right? Yeah. Corey Dillon. I mean, remember how Corey Dillon was damaged goods coming out of Cincinnati. Um, and I think, you know, I mean, there's a certain amount of arrogance. Um, that The belief is if we get you into our program, you'll be sufficiently, I don't know what the word is, respectful, awed, uh, privileged to be here, <laughs> and you will play. He will play your best game, and you will give us all the stuff around the periphery that we demand because you'll look around and you'll see who else is giving it as well. And, you know, it has worked uh, sometimes. It has not worked at other times. And at times they had, you know, players in who, you know, looked around and said, this is, this offense is too complicated. I mean, famously uh, Reggie Wayne was here in the preseason one year and basically said, I, I couldn't pick up the offense. And there's been, you know, there's been a number of guys um, that they picked up that you thought that Chad Ochocinco, well, you know, this is this is going to be the greatest thing ever for his career. Well, it, that didn't work out. Albert mm-hmm. Dainsworth didn't work out. But um, they've had some successes, and they're willing to, I think, roll that dice. They have the skins on the wall. They have the credibility, yep. and they have the culture built. And then it's a matter of whether that, that guy proves himself or, you know, quickly shows himself not capable of, of doing it the Patriot way. Yeah, with with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, we understand that, that they're on the back nine here. And I think the question now is, are they on 15? Are they on 16? Or are they walking up the 18th fairway? It is completely guesswork and uh, I, I think Brady wants it that way and I think he sent mixed mes- messages intending for it to be confusing um, the, the constant talk about age 45 but then obviously all the Tom versus time musings last year about you know looking ahead and, and seeing a life beyond football um, I tend to think we're probably looking at still you know, this year and next year at a minimum. But I've had a lot of people tell me, let them let him win a sixth ring, and he's gone. He's gone. So I don't know. And 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 the to me, the more fascinating thing might be how long does Belichick stay mm-hmm. after Brady leaves? There's some train of thought that he wants to prove that it wasn't just Brady um, that made this system great. And um, other people say that he'll lose interest pretty quickly if he's faced with a pretty mediocre quarterback situation and thrown into, you know, the, the, the middle of the league, like everybody else that's fighting between seven and 10 wins a year. So I, 
you know, n- nobody's guess is wrong. Nobody's guess is you can show me that it's it's right. It's just I, I believe you know they're probably on probably in somewhere in the seventeenth hole range Got and it. maybe <laughs> just teeing off. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate your your uh, dexterity with the metaphor on that one. Try, uh, I tried to go with the analogy. Yeah. <laughs> so I, one thing that I think, um, and and we can end on this: um, if if the if the Patriots, especially if they impressively beat Green Bay on Sunday, there is going to be a turn with Packer fans to say, "We've had enough with Mike McCarthy, and we need to figure out what is next." A year ago, Josh McDaniel's name was the name. It was the hottest name. It was the name that was every Packer fan's number one choice. And less than a year later, it seems like he is toxic. He is just uh, untouchable right now. What is your sense for that? And, And is that just sort of talk until there are six new teams that need coaches? Yeah, I'm I'm leaning towards that. So I don't believe he is toxic or untouchable. Um, you know, you heard his name come up this week with the Browns opening. Uh, he's an Ohio native. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't believe that there'll be a team that, that that will say we just can't touch him, even though he checks all these boxes because of what happened with the Colts saga. So I kind of think that's a narrative that may not meet reality. Um, I mean, you're right. This is, I was just writing for the athletic this week about this game and, and in part McCarthy situation. And I don't think he's embattled, but he is endangered. And I do think the shelf life factor of a coach who's been in one place that long. And this is year 13. He's at 12 and a half years after this game. It's, it's an undeniable um, pull and, and um, urge for change. And, there is certainly an argument to be made that is as much talent as he's had at quarterback. One Super Bowl title is leaving a lot of meat on the bone, leaving, you know, winning on the table that could, should have been done. But on the other hand, um, they're in the middle of this really brutal stretch, four out of five on the road last week at LA to the other coast to new England. You got an upcoming short week trip to Seattle after the Miami home game and then at Minnesota. Then the schedule turns easier. Um, if they can somehow pull the upset, and even if they don't at 3-4-1, and one, this NFC North, it doesn't look like anybody's running away with. So I think it's let the story play out, see if McCarthy uh, or Aaron Rodgers can pull another rabbit out of the hat, a playoff berth, and if they can make any noise. I tend to think they have to not only make it, but they have to make some noise in January for the status quo to remain. The Packers took a huge step last offseason in, in changing the the uh, front office structure. Um, yep. I think they're ready to take the next step if if this season disappoints. Yeah. All right. Uh, you uh, are a man of, of many talents and, and many outlets, so give my, my listeners yeah. a... Uh, a rundown of everywhere that they can find the great work that you do. Well, I, I, I do cover the league for Patriots.com. I do a podcast called cover two, which is usually on Wednesdays. This week is on Thursdays. We just got done with it. Talking a lot about the Packers and, and the um, Patriots. We had Rob Domofsky of ESPN.com. We had Tom Silverstein, Milwaukee journal, uh, Sentinel journal. And um, you know, it's, it's, 
it's a glamour game, and I think it's it's uh, Rams, Saints, and, and and Patriots, Packers doesn't get any better than that in Week Nine. I can also be found at the Athletic. Um, I, I write for them as well, and um, uh, that's pretty much the extent of it this year. I do I still do a, a Wisconsin radio hit on the Mike Heller show every Monday's uh, talking NFL, all things NFL. And um, I believe that's a statewide network as well. So uh, out of Milwaukee and Madison. Mike Heller does a great job. I'm sure a lot of my listeners also listen to his show. Uh, Don, I appreciate you joining the show today. Thanks, Peter. Good to talk to you again. All right. I want to thank Don again for joining the program Really great insight there. He has been in this business a long time and and has actually been very helpful to me and supportive to me in my career. So it was great to have Don on to to talk to him a little bit and and glad to see he's doing well. You can find him, as he said, all over um, covering the NFL. So be sure to do that. Be sure to follow him on Twitter. And be sure to follow me on Twitter, at Peter underscore Bukowski, because there's going to be updates over the course of the weekend, potentially, about injuries, who's going to play, who's not going to play. And then the big thing, the game is Sunday night, primetime, Sunday night football, Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, and the two best quarterbacks in football going at it. The line uh, has has come down, opened at six and a half, it's down under six, five and a half, somewhere in there depending on where you look. So Green Bay, this this should be a close game. And I, I predicted earlier in the week something like 27-24. And I think the Patriots win, but I think it's close. And I think Green Bay can win. I won't be surprised. I said this last week with the Rams. I would not have been surprised if the Packers beat the Rams. I will not be surprised if the Packers beat the Patriots. But I, I can't predict it at this point. There's too many unknowns, and it's still Tom Brady and Bill Belichick at home. All right, remember to subscribe to the podcast, to leave a rating and a review. It it helps spread the word and raise the visibility of this show. Consistently, one of the top shows on the Locked On NFL side of the Locked On Podcast Network. I thank you for that. And anytime you want to get in touch with the show, you can do that. We didn't get to questions today because there's just too much to go over. But we will get to them next week. And if you want to send in a question or a comment, you can do that at 920-341-3775 to let me know how you are staying locked on Packers.